I've tried all kinds of species that actually grow here. I mean, a lot of tropicals and and I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, they were all they all slowly died for one reason or another, except for the porlicaria. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Up North Bonsai. Today, we take things outside of the Upper Midwest to talk about a specific tree that can be grown almost anywhere if you just keep it from freezing. Now, I usually talk to people around the Upper Midwest. However, today we talk about Portulacaria afras with Gilbert Cantu of Little Jade Bonsai. When it comes to bonsai, do, do what makes you, I always say, do what makes you happy. If you have a tree and you're asking for advice and they say, cut this branch, um, you need to cut this branch. And if you don't want to cut it, you know, you don't have to cut it. You know, do what makes you happy. Now, Gilbert lives down in the Corpus Christi, Texas area. PAs are all Gilbert grows now with his Little Jade Bonsai company. You can check out the PAs with Gilbert Cantu with Little Jade Bonsai on YouTube. His videos do a great job of helping us all take better care of the PAs. A lot of people in our colder climate region like to have more trees that can be worked on a little bit over the winter, myself included, and this is a great tree to do that with. For me, bonsai is all about the journey. I'm a firm believer in lifelong learning and hope that this podcast can spread good information to all who want to learn more about bonsai, regardless of the actual region that they live in. Let's get into the show with a bit of background on Gilbert Cantu and how he got his start into bonsai, including some talk about joining bonsai clubs. Then we talk about how easy the PAs are to grow and his microclimate down in Corpus Christi. How did this all begin for you? Where, where did you, your bonsai first enter your world? You know, it, it all started um, about 20 years ago. Uh, my wife and I got married. Uh, she got pregnant right away. And, you know, we were like you know, living in our apartment and kind of bored, you know, and we would go to Target a lot. And this is back when Target had a look, a plant section with uh -huh. live plants, you know, and so we go and and I saw a little juniper there and we had just watched the Karate Kid. And I'm like, you know, man, I always wanted to get one. And so I ended up buying it and, um, you know, and then I started reading about it. And then I went to Barnes and Noble and I bought a book. So it just kind of all started from there. And, you know, I started just looking up just I mean, I just got the bug. Right. I completely just became enveloped and everything about it and, and you know the different species and I didn't even you know I thought you can grow any tree anywhere and, and so I had a little balcony and I I started buying a lot of trees from eBay I mean stuff that, that didn't even grow here I mean like Japanese maples and you know all types of species and uh, I found a jade a porlicariaphora uh, from a grower in Florida and, um, you know, I, I saw it, it had a nice little quirky trunk. And so I bought it for like, it was like $55. I got it and I'm like, man, this tree is awesome. But from about three months, I accumulated like maybe 40 to 50 trees in my little balcony. I and mean, it was just filled with all kinds of plants. And we went out of town and came back and I had no idea what the hell I was doing. So I ended up, by the end of the summer, I had killed all of them. And I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, they were all, they all slowly died for one reason or another, except for the poor Lucaria. Found out Corpus, my city had a, had a club 
joined the club and, and, um, you know, it was, it was awesome because the clubs are, you know, the bonsai clubs are, I mean, you learn so much from more than just what's online or a book and it's people that have worked on this species before. And I've tried all kinds of species that actually grow here. I mean, a lot of tropicals and, um, junipers and, uh, but throughout the time, you know, they've, they've kind of eliminated themselves, you know, because, yeah. You know, like life happens. I get busy. I had a beautiful juniper I had styled and I had it there um, in its pot. And we went out of town and came back, got busy with work. And I mean, the in the middle of summer and just fried the tree, you know, I mean, it was so hot. And it's kind of how I ended up. It's like growing what's what works in your climate, you know. So when did you go exclusively PAs? I mean, was has it been about 18 now of your last 20 years? Is, do I remember right from your website? I went kind of exclusively, um, I don't know, maybe 12 years ago, started a new job back then. And I kind of introduced everybody at the in my office, all my buddies that I met. And, and it kind of, I mean, I had always kept my trees. I always had trees, but, you know, 20 to 30 or something like that, you know, wasn't, wasn't too many. And then by then, that's when it was just like, you know, I'm just, I'm going to start taking cuttings. Golly, before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and especially with PAs, I mean, I know in, even in my climate, I just trimmed some PAs a month or so ago here when I put my trees into my plant room, and I've already got a tray of 36 cuttings over there to my right. Oh, yeah. And, all, and like, I've got 98% success. I think one died. I mean, I mean, that's the same thing with me. I, I, I'm, I'm constantly rooting them anywhere I can find room. You know, I have, I have containers. I put old, old bonsai soil, old potting soil, and I mean, I just, just stick them in there. And I had one, I had a nice Nandina that was really big that I bought in this big pot. Uh -huh. It died in the summer because it was so hot. So I ended up, I had already stuck a bunch of cuttings in there and yeah, yeah it kind of overtook the pot anyway. I ask everybody this because I think it's super important. And again, we're going to take a lot of what you're going to say, and we're going to adapt it to the folks who listen in the upper Midwest and, and, and grow trees in the Minnesota climate. I mean, today was 17 degrees when I left work, you know, oh, wow. <laughs> the other day was six above with nine below windshields. So it's nothing like Corpus Christi. So let's go to your neck of the woods first. What's your microclimate there in Corpus Christi? I'm literally probably 10, 11 miles, not even that, uh, from the Gulf of Mexico. So we're right you know, we have, we're, we're right on Corpus Christi Bay. We're, we're close to the water. Everything rusts outside because of all the, the salty air, you know, and um, sure. so there's a lot of humidity. I mean, it's just, it's, it's always humid um, and it's always hot, you know, and even when we get a cool front, the cool front just, you know, wintertime, like we got one not too long ago and it lasted a few days and it's back in the, I don't know, we were in the, I think mid eighties today. So it's, um, it gets hot, you know, and, and right. um, so I keep my trees on the side of my house where mm -hmm. they get the morning sun, right? The sun comes up and they're in the sun and then noon, you know, I mean, I'm saying, I'm talking about from maybe summertime, right? Then by noon, they're in the, you know, they're in the shade for the rest of the day. And okay, um, so they get the morning sun, it's hot, but like now, I mean, since we are kind of in the winter, what equinox is that what it is um it, it's like the sun is they're not even getting any sun at all right now okay 
but they're all still outside. You got plenty of heat, but you're not getting a whole lot of sun right now. But they're they're outside. They're getting bright light from the sky, you know, and um, right. and uh, so I mean, so they they are getting light. the The biggest thing is is it, it just comes down to to bright light, whether it's indirect light, di- you know, direct sunlight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes even like in the summer when it's when it gets at, you know the hottest point of summer. Um, I mean, I can't have any indirect, indirect sunlight, you know, like I can't have any in my, in the middle of my backyard. Cause they just, you know, they just get real light and color and they're not going to die. Of course, they're just going to, you know, they're not going to thrive as much as the balance, you know, sure. some sunlight, some shade. Next, I ask Gilbert if he has a dormancy or resting period with PAs down there in Texas. He shared a story about the recent cold spell they had with snow and ice, freezing temperatures that killed a lot of his trees. He told me what the best part of his microclimate is and trees inside versus outside and some fertilization discussion. Do you have any dormancy kind of or a, I mean, when they, yeah. they down in the summer because of that heat and that's your dormant season or what do you say about that? Um, like, you know, right now I'm still trimming them. Um, I haven't watered because, you know, we're kind of in that it's, it's still humid, but it, it gets cold at night a little bit, not too bad. I say cold, cold for us, like sixties, you know, (laughs) maybe fifties. Um, so I mean, usually by now I'm not even watering, you know, they're just out there and sometimes I'll trim them, but usually from like, December to February, I, I don't really, I don't do any trimming. Tw- once or twice a year, we'll get down close to freezing or below freezing. Sure. Um, I mean, they'll stay outside as long as it's above freezing. Yeah. Um, but when it gets close to freezing, um, I'll bring in my nicer trees into my garage. Yeah. And then the rest, I'll just put on the ground up against my house under my tables and I'll throw blankets over them. So when it does go below freezing or that's the forecast, you're covering them more than putting them in and doing the bones eye shuffle. Yeah, that's, that's it. In, in, in and out. I mean, but sometimes I'll just keep them on the ground in the coldest parts of the year. And then I'll throw blankets over them and I'll uncover them. And I have a whole stack of blankets in my garage that I do that with just yeah. because it just takes it so much to bring them in and out. February, 2021 was when we had that, um, that insane um arctic blast that we had right. here yeah where they were below freezing here for like i don't know four or five days four straight five days yeah i think yeah. i remember that yeah i mean that was insane but there are trees i mean big large tree 40 year old trees that died that have never experienced that and it snowed here before yeah but um nothing like that and so i made the mistake of i had already been taking a minute out and that when we were getting that freeze, I'm like, well, I'll just put two blankets over them. They'll be, I'll tuck them in real good. Yeah. And um, that's where I screwed up because the cold came in from the bottom, but we were below freezing for a couple of days. And sure. And right. I lost 297 trees. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen your yard on the YouTube videos and you, you've got quite a row of trees there. So you must have, do you have thousands of them or hundreds and you lost a, a third of them? Or what was that about? After that, I had probably had a little over a hundred trees left. Wow. 
I mean, some bigger trees, I mean, that were maybe 10, 12 years old. The cold, that kind of cold is not good for an awful lot of trees. And there's a lot of people that talk about, um, you know, so it goes down to freezing one night, but th that might've been an hour or two if it's hovering right around 32, 31, 30. But a lot of our trees, the temper trees in Minnesota, where I am at in the upper Midwest, you know, the roots aren't even close to that temperature yet. The, the, the outside branches and everything, they're okay. But now a succulent and like the PA, all the moisture's in the foliage, right? I mean, so if you freeze, are they just dropping leaves and do they just die that way? Or, or how do they, how do PAs damage? Because you've seen it now with harsh conditions. What what yeah. happens to them? The I mean, there's just as much water in the leaves as, as there are in the trunk. You know, I've bunched them really close together and put blankets on them. And it's got so cold that it's kind of penetrated that. I've had some where the trunk has been fine, but all the branches have like, it just depends. It kind of comes in from the outside in. Took the blankets off when we be, when we came above freezing when it froze. And um, I mean, the trunks, everything was brown and like you, it was like mush, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's what root, what root rot is, but it's right. just... I mean, a couple of times I've been able to cut off some of the dead stuff, all the dead branches, and then the main trunk is still green. Yeah. And I've had that come back. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it just no. depends on where the freezing part hits the most. Just like anything else, I suppose, in bones, I have bug infestation hits this part of the tree and that limb dies, or if it gets yeah. cold on the side more than the other. And like you said before, if you put in a couple of blankets on top, but you have your trees up on we tell people in minnesota that you know we heal we heal our trees into the ground with some mulch and stuff to get that thermal a little bit of that thermal heat so it doesn't get yeah if you keep them on a bench in minnesota they're going to get cold from the bottom up and the roots are going to be the first to be damaged right right i have them outside i have them up against my house and on the ground i mean the ground's still warm and you know i mean we've had the last time we had snow i had blankets on my trees and there was snow on top of the blankets um but yeah. it didn't, it wasn't below freezing for very long and they were yeah. all fine. What is the best part of your climate then for PAs? Why do PAs, uh, why do you, why have you found such a niche there? What, what, what do they love the most? What do they love in your yard in that area of the country? What do PAs like? Um, the heat, you know, heat and, you know, if, if of course, you know, they thrive out outdoors. And so that's kind of my biggest thing. A lot of people bring them inside and I'm like, they're only going to thrive inside if, if you have um, full spectrum lighting very close to the plant. Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if you even if you have a big window and the sun's coming in. I mean, there's still I've had I had my old office was like that. I mean, there were I mean, the sun came in, they would kind of hang on for a few months and then, you know, start dropping their inner leaves. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's like, no, they just do better outside. So, yeah. so it's That's the, something where we push with the new folks all the time. And it's like, keep these trees outside as long as you can. Yeah, they thrive outdoors. So wintertime is always the tricky part. And this is the part where I start getting a ton of messages that I brought my tree indoors and it's dropping leaves. And I'm like, it's going to do that. It's kind of cold, <laughs> hot and cold, the humidity. And so yeah. everything's just kind of staying moist. Um, and But they're still getting bright light. I mean, I brought, you know, a couple, these, this one in um, the leaves. It's crazy because when I water them in the summer a lot, the leaves are really plump. They do great here, and yeah. it's just—I mean—that's kind of what 
what I like to preach is just kind of grow what thrives in your climate and it just makes it easier, you know, easier to keep things alive. And in the winter, I mean, in the summertime, I water daily. Um, The soil drains really quick. So, I mean, I'm watering daily, but of course it's hot. So I can water in the morning and by evening they're already dried, you know, and you, you brought up fertilization there. Then let me ask you this. Do you notice a difference in the growth then as far as, you know, are you getting longer and leggier growth if you don't fertilize? Uh, are you getting uh, shorter, more compact growth in the summer than the winter? How does your fertilization, do you think, affect your specific trees? My main goal is I want them to grow faster. Okay. Um, I want them to to be green, to be, you know, to kind of develop this dark green color that they're capable of, you know, and, and yeah. I want them to, I want the leaves to be plump. Um, so, you know, I, I, when we probably, I'd say late March, everything kind of starts really, really warming up. Um, I mean, I start, that's when I start my routine, which is, I'm, uh, I apply Osmocote once a month and I water them in with liquid miracle grow. It just, I mean, it's just like an all purpose fertilizer. And I just, I always resort back to that because yeah. Using those to the slow release and then the liquid. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll do the, the liquid miracle grow every two weeks, especially whenever, like if I'm the springtime, you know, they're already kind of looking a little scraggly from the wintertime because I haven't really trimmed them much. And so yeah. um, that's usually when I start styling them, you know, or trimming them up. And um, so what I do is I'll fertilize them. I'll trim them first. And if I'm going to defoliate, I'll defoliate. And then I just pump them with fertilizer and they can, I mean, I'll get, they'll pop everywhere along the base of the trunk, all along the trunk. Sure. Um, And then they just, they, the, the, like I said, the leaves get real plump. I shipped a tree to a friend of mine who lives in Michigan and I used used to buy a lot of my trees and he's like, man, your trees, I mean, the leaves look like jelly beans, you know, when <laughs> he gets them, he's like, they're just so big and plump. And um, it, it's like the way it is whenever it rains, you know, and like people are like, oh, we got to keep them out of the rain. Well, it just, it depends on your soil. You know, yeah. my soil drains really quick. And because when it does rain, I mean, everything just swells up the trunks and, but soil is, is a huge factor. Going down the soil well, huh? Yeah. <laughs> It's always a debate, uh, Gilbert. What uh, you don't have to tell me your secret recipe. Of course, you have on your line online, I think. But um, yeah, yeah. What? So you're saying you use more f- the smaller particles? Is that for all your trees, regardless of size? Tell me more about your soil. My friend, uh, it's funny. My friend, my friend David, David Whitaker. That um, he was there at the club when I first joined. You know, he had always he told me something a long time ago that when I first started, it always stuck with me. He says, "You want to have your you want your soil to drain quickly, right?" He's like, you want to be able to have a glass of water and you want to be able to pour that water and it be draining out and not pulling up in your, in your pot. And I'm like, okay. So, I mean, I, I always, I I have always stuck with that, but um, you know, you have going again, it's, you have to use what's, what, what's available to you. You know, I mean, a lot of people like to use lava and pumice. Um, I love lava. And if I can add lava rock to my, to my soil, I would, I just, it's hard for me to find. And uh, because I like the red lava, uh, pumice is great. It, it's, it's a lot like lava, but for me, it's, 
I almost feel like it's not aesthetic enough. It doesn't look natural, you know, in the soil. Like I want the soil yeah. to look yeah. kind of like soil. I mean, it's just a personal personal preference, you know. Absolutely. Um, that is so, bullseye. Everybody's got their own opinion, right? Yeah. <laughs> I use calcine clay, uh, which is turfus, um, which they sell it for what baseball fields, I think. I mean, I get a huge bag for like 14 bucks. I mean, it's cheap. Um, and then I also use expanded shale if I can find it. Okay. Um, and I'll sift that out to all the big pieces out. And um, my local nursery sells a big bags of um, it's called landscapers mix has, you know, different types of, of bark, pine bark and other little, you know, um, organic pieces. Yeah. I sift all that out, maybe 80% um, inorganic, you know, just about 20% of the organic. So it drain it drains quick. Um, it does hold moisture, but, when, when you're when you're trying to develop your roots, especially on the poor lucaria, um, big soil, you know, a lot of people get the, you know, the, the big uh, quarter inch or even a little bit bigger pieces of soil. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you have fine soil, you're going to develop fine feeder roots, a lot more feeder roots. It's like everything else in Bonesai. You have to pay attention to your trees, whether you're using fine, medium, or some of those bigger, coarse ones. And of course, each one's going to affect your tree differently, but... We have to pay attention. <laughs> we can't we yeah. can't go on vacation, Gilbert, and come back and then go to work for a while and have our trees die, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> I heard a story about that once. Yeah. yeah. But it's yeah, it, but it's also your, you know, your personal schedule and you know what your 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 microclimate and what works for you. And yeah. you know, I can't uh, I have people that live like a few miles down that they have a sprinkler system and um and they actually have moss real moss growing on their trees and I can't grow that, you know? Yeah. One of my favorite uh, videos of yours, I think that a lot of people can watch and get excited about PAs because they are relatively easy to grow. They're fast growers too, I think. And you can see results pretty quick is your like six year uh, progression. You've got that one video where it shows a year, two, three, four, five, and six, and you kind of lay them, you have them all out there because you have multiple trees of, of the same age. And it's just such a very nice visual to show people like, hey, you can get this stick or like your, your real tall straight one, that, that video that shows five years of progression. It's just really cool to see what you can do in three to five years with a PA. I think that's awesome. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I always say five years is, um, I mean, five years is a perfect amount of time to turn a little stick into something that's nice. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, and, you know, and I, it's cool because I mean, I have sold a lot of trees. I used to, you know, be a pretty active seller on eBay too. Uh, uh -huh. People will say, is that tree for sale? And I'm like, well, I'm not planning on it, but of course everything's for sale for the right price. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But, but I have, I've had a lot of, you know, with bonsai, it's a lot, a lot of people consider it like there's a lot of older people in our club, oh, you yeah. know, and that's just the way it is. It's like you retire and you want to do something and, Yep. I've had people, a guy contact me is like, man, you know, I, I want to work on trees, uh, but I don't have a lot. I feel like I don't have a lot of time left. And he says, what, what do you recommend? And I'm like, well, this is exactly what I recommend because totally. So it's, it's just, I don't know. I mean, it, it for me, this species, it means so much to me because I've met so many people around the world because they grow everywhere. 
I mean, yeah. I have a ton of friends in India that I've met, yeah. in Iran, um, really? Australia, just kind of everywhere. I think that's, you know, that for me this year um, in Bonsai, what you just said is what makes Bonsai one of the most amazing parts of my life right now is the Bonsai community. Um, I mean, just even reaching out to you and your kindness to respond and say, hey, let's chat, you bet. And I just went up to Canada this last year, my road trip with my son, and we went and met Nigel Saunders. And, and, and just the, I mean, the love and the passion and the, and again, what you said, it, it doesn't matter where we come from, doesn't matter what we do with our lives in any other capacity, this thing called Bonsai, I don't know, the, the community is is pretty amazing, I think. Yeah, no, it it is. And it's just, I love it because I don't know, I'm a very earthy person. And I mean, I feel like okay, this is this, these are my people, you know, because I, I love, you know, I mean, our, we live on a beautiful planet and, you know, there's just we have to give back. And we I feel like we take and we take from nature yeah. and by, hey, by growing, by focusing your attention on a little plant. I mean, that's a part of Earth. You know, we can put the energy into that. I mean, yeah. you know, you're 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 showing love for Earth. And if we all would step out in nature more often, bo bonsai or not, I mean, the the research is there. If you walk through some uh, Hanoki cypresses, they have gardens of Hanoki cypresses just to walk through, and people's blood pressure drop just taking that walk through the Hanoki cypresses. There's yeah. there's scientific uh, studies on that very topic right there. It's uh, it's just such really cool stuff. So yeah, if you can, if you can plant anything, whether it's a bonsai or not, and like you said, be be a little more one with nature. I mean, how can you how can we go wrong with that? Gilbert does a great job of showing the progression of PAs in his YouTube videos. Make sure you check out his work on Little Jade Bonsai on YouTube. These trees can really grow fast and become a pretty decent bonsai in just a few years, even from the cuttings. Gilbert then talks to us about his favorite trees over the years. What has been the jewel of your PAs that just made, makes you go right now like, gosh, I just love this tree and I, it's kind of my favorite. Do you have any? You know, yeah, I have two. I have oh, two. you do? Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, so my, of course, my number one tree, my favorite tree, the tree that I feel like, I mean, we're like best friends is my first tree that I bought. The one that the one that lived and I call it the godfather because it is like the father to most of all my trees. I learned on that tree and that tree was very patient with me. I brought it indoors. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing in the beginning and and I Google stuff and say, okay, my tree doesn't it's dropping leaves. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And someone says, Oh, you're overwatering. So don't overwater it. And I'm like, okay. And so then I wouldn't, okay, I stopped watering it and then it would drop more leaves. And anyway, that tree was very patient with me. Um, yeah. And cool. uh, I still have it and it's uh, 35 years old. You know, I've been working on it for 20 and I got it. It was 16 or, or 36 years old because it was 16 years old. I feel that that tree is wise. It's old, but sure. it's patient and it's strong. That's like awesome. it's one of the few trees that, I mean, I never get any bugs on it. My second favorite, I actually have right here because um, it, for me, it's the new, it's the new thing. It's a new portal which is the lily put. And I don't know if you've, 
So the Lilliput, and I did a video on it, and this is it right here. Portalicaria, the leaves are small. You trim it back, it the leaves are going to develop smaller and smaller. Um, but the Lilliput is a miniature version of a Portalicaria. And it's a, it's really new. I think it was, um, I don't, I can't remember, I have it on my video, but I think it's only like five, five or six years old. I mean, from when it was first discovered, it was a natural mutation that developed and oh gosh, the leaves, cool. um, the leaves are really tiny. It has an upright morphology, whereas a lot of, um, people say, oh, well, it, no, it looks like it's the prostrata because the prostrata has small leaves. Prostrata kind of grows down and the, the branches aren't strong. Whereas the lily put, they, they grow upward. Um, the leaves are pointy leaves. They look like little elf ears. It grows very, very, it grows even faster than the regular portlicaria, but wow. it takes to wiring really easy and quickly. Um, wow. The leaves come in even smaller. They divide quickly. I mean, and this was uh, two years ago. Two it was two years ago. Yeah, um, was when I got this tree from from Lowe's or Home Depot. Okay, um, and it was only like three inches tall. Really? So I, I, I mean, I have I have pictures of every year, and I wired it, and it took really quickly. Yeah. Um, but it just has, I, I kind of wired this little, this cool little yeah. informal upright shape and very um, nice. I mean, it's a, it's, this is to me, this is what excites me is this, yeah. is this species because, right. um, you know, I mean, you, you can make some really small ones and yeah, they're, they're cool. I think they're really cool. Yeah. That's fantastic. You've got your old original and more classic, and now you've got this new species that's brand new baby and you've got kind of the spectrum and everything in between probably. So that's awesome. What a, yeah. Oh nice, yeah. Uh, you got uh, bookends there for your, all your trees. Mm -hmm. exactly. Great. Well, <laughs> when I take my next road trip South, uh, I might have to get a couple cuttings from some of your trees. I, I love the lineage of that healthy tree. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, for sure. I love when people, um, you know, I mean, I know we're, we're South, way South. Um, but, uh, I have, uh, I mean, I have people come all the time that did find me on Instagram. I had a guy yesterday came by and he bought a tree and, uh, I had a, uh, a guy that was actually a pilot fly down him and his dad from Dallas and they bought a bunch of trees and we boxed them up and they took them back. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> and, uh, so it's just, it's kind of, I mean, I, I love, um, I love sharing and, and, um, of course, you know, the knowledge is, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just crazy how, how, uh, everybody takes, you know, you, you, you want to share you want to give and, and people are willing to share in the bonsai world. That's for sure. Yeah. It's really cool. On up North bonsai, we talk about summer, spring, fall, winter, the solstices and the equinox. We kick it off with Gilbert with the summer solstice. We talk about watering and the soil you're using, pruning and repotting. Summer solstice, what are you doing in Texas or what, what in that heat of summer, what are you doing to your trees? What are you doing to PAs with the summer solstice? Watering daily and fertilizing heavy because okay. since it does get hot, I mean, I feel like they start kind of 
you know, I, I mean, like I said, I have friends down the street that don't fertilize as much as me. Mm-hmm. They have their trees kind of out like more full sun. The leaves are real yellow. They're a lot lighter in color. Um, they're not as dark. And um, that is a, has a lot to do with, of course, f- fertile fertilizer. To me, that's the key to keeping them, yeah. keeping them moving, especially yeah. like in August and yeah. uh, even yeah. especially September. It's always sure. like hot. <laughs> so yeah, so water, water and soil always comes into the into the discussion with summertime. So we already talked soil and uh, watering like crazy and fertilizing. So what about in the pruning and repotting? So are you repotting in your neck of the woods all year round because you can, or do you try to stick to summer when we would repot typically in Minnesota for for the PAs? Yeah, I mean, I I try to repot. I mean, of course when. When, when everything starts, and it starts warming up and they start actively growing, then I'm like, okay, it's, I can repot. And yeah. I'll repot all the way up until um, maybe October, the beginning of October, because it's still, sure. I mean, right right now in December, it's barely like, kind of like fall for us. Right, um, right. So, you know, I'll kind of, you know, wait a, maybe a month before it gets, you know, the, the drastic temperature changes. Um, or when y'all would bring them inside. Uh Um, So I kind of, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I I will repot up until then, but I like, I, I don't like to touch them, really touch them once it starts getting cold. When you, you know, a lot of times our repotting, we can't repot a lot of trees in the, you know, upper Midwest simply because then we don't have enough time afterwards for good quality aftercare and recovery. recovery and yeah. Yeah. So you're kind of going by that rule of thumb as well. You just get to push it out till October and we're like going, yeah, we're not doing that in October. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do it to, you know, like I said, about up to about maybe a month before the seasons really change and it starts getting colder. So in the summer, then how much pruning are you doing? I mean, and I noticed in your videos and I noticed with your style, with you have really thick PA. So you 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 nip and tuck them a lot, don't you? You don't you do, or do you let a lot of yours shoot out like crazy for that developmental stage, or are you just keeping them into that shape very consistently so they just keep getting thick and tight and ramified? What's kind of your philosophy and how you take care of your PAs? Yeah, you know, and and I mean, I'll do it several ways. I mean, some trees, you know, like once I develop my branches, I mean, like even this one, I know it's kind of hard, you can't see, but. Um, you know, once I develop the branches where they're at, yep. then after that, I try not to let them get long. I don't, I mean, I don't like to let them even get more than an inch long. And I, cause if you constantly trim them, you're going to shorten up those, those, those nodes. But if you let it grow, of course, they're going to, you know, they're going to have big yeah. gaps between the, the, the leaf sets. I I'm always trimming. There's some trees that I feel like, okay, I need a branch here. I'm just going to yep. let that grow or, sure. or if they pop at the base mm-hmm. and I need some, some more taper in that trunk. I mean, I, I let those grow at the base and sometimes I'll let them get long, but I really like to keep them trimmed. So I'll kind of train a little tree on the base, mm-hmm. you know, and then once it's kind of nice and thick, then I'll, you know, remove that branch and then root that, root that little tree. Next up is the fall equinox. We learn about what he does in the fall, including an extended repotting season because it's warm so much longer than in our part of the world. Gilbert also talks a little bit about having a greenhouse someday and how it would work for him. I also ask about the Corpus Christi Bonsai Shuffle. Yep, he does one too. 
Also, how do you wire the PAs and when is the best time of year? When fall hits, um, now again, it hits, you know, my four seasons are different than yours, but how are you adjusting? We're not at winter yet and you've got a warmish summer fall, it sounds like going way into September and October. So what are you doing in the fall then? Wrapping up some of those repots and still clipping, but what changes for the fall equinox? It's like it's fall here right now in December. So right, what right. I'm doing is, I mean, I just kind of keep them trimmed, but they, they, I feel like the growth does slow down a little bit because they're not, I'm not watering as, as much and I'm not fertilizing. Yeah. So they, I just feel like, okay, they kind of almost, I almost feel like that they do know that it's, we're getting close to winter. So they're just kind of growing slow. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll keep them trimmed, but you know, I mean, there's some that I just kind of let go. Is there any other work you do in the fall then? I mean, everything's kind of slowing down. So is that kind of one of one of the slower seasons for you to just kind of just hang loose for a while? Yeah, that's really, that's really it. And I'm just, you know, I mean, I wish I had a greenhouse and I keep saying every year is the year I'm going to make, have build a greenhouse, but yeah. I will only use it really <laughs> like end of December to maybe January and February um, yeah, you would really have to be careful with a, with a greenhouse in that climate, wouldn't you? Yeah, my dad built one. He had a big one that he built when I was growing up. Yeah, And uh, he had a, a lot of shade cloth and he built a lot of windows in that so the air can circulate. It was always excruciatingly hot. The stress of, of me trying to, you know, bring them in, take them out, cover them up when it yeah. gets cold and it's a I'm different so kind of bones I shuffle down there in Texas, but it's uh, a little reassuring, I must say, Gilbert, that you actually do the shuffle a little bit uh, because, you know, we we talk about that, well, quite jokingly, multiple times a year here in Minnesota. Yeah, it, it happens to us, especially, like I said, we're more January, February, you're like yeah. the cold, the cold sure. times and maybe sure. once in December, but. I don't want to forget to ask about wiring. Now, I don't know if you do any wire in the fall because things are slowing down, but uh, when, when is the best time to wire a PA? When do you typically do it? Now, I don't wire that much in general, but I've yet to wire a PA. I, I'm, I'm a little anxious about that and how it's going to maybe scar the tree and, and oh. all that. I have watched your video on wiring once or twice, but but share share with us like wiring a PA and kind of the rules and regs for you oh, and what's yeah. successful for you. So if I'm going to wire a tree or if I'm going to give a workshop, um, I mean, or a lecture demo, I will let the tree, uh, I will withhold watering for about a week or two yeah. um, to let the tree dry out. Sure. So the branches aren't filled with so much water and they become a lot more flexible. So that's very important when it comes to wiring um, okay. so let it dry out before you, before you wire it. Um, sure. And then, of course, they do the branches do become real flexible um, and you'll have less <laughs> less likely to, to crack a branch or they are flexible. Yeah. Um, but I have done some pretty dramatic bends and you're moving it and then you hear that crack and it's like, yeah. oh, crap. If I remember from your video, right, do you I mean, you, you're using bigger gauge wire or you double up a lot, right? So you have yeah, a little I don't like to use. Yes, I, I like to use smaller wire. And um, because what I'm doing is, especially because the branches and the trunk are softer, it's not like a real wood. You know, if you try to bend a, a big, thick wire over it, I mean, you're going to damage a branch or the trunk. So yeah. I like to use 
you know, multiple smaller wires, maybe two or three. Um, sure, sure. And I'll wire it. And then of course, you know, then I'll just, I'll slowly bend it. But if I'm trying to create a, dra- a dramatic, drastic brand bend, um, you know, I'll move it and then I'll wait a month and then I'll move it a little bit more or a little yeah. bit more. And What really is the best, is there a best time of year for PAs to wire or can you really do it almost any time? I mean, I, I say any time that it's, that it's actively growing, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, like I said, from us, it's springtime to October. Yeah, October. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so let me transition to me. If I'm getting growth in December and January in my plant room here, because I have artificial lights literally five inches from the trees, the tree tips, and they're growing and they're putting out like two, two inches a month. I'm getting yeah. growth, right? Yeah, so you're good. I, I could wire right now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because there is no, I mean, there is no true dormancy. I mean, they do slow down when I have them outside and the, you know, and it's cold, um, but it doesn't, I mean, they're continuing to grow and technically you can fertilize as long as it's growing, you know? And And I, right now I've, I've gone to just liquid uh, uh, miracle grow myself for the indoor stuff. And I just, I do that every, every once in a while. So they're getting some fertilizer. They're getting plenty of warmth in here and you know, the best artificial light I can give, it's not the sun. It's not even indirect sun, but uh, they sure seem to like it in here. So no, and that's, that's that's great i I actually have a whole um big giant um lighting system indoor lighting system that was sent to me with the with the big box the reflective stuff and everything the box that it grows in i haven't i have not set it up and i plan to set it up this (laughs) i just don't have the problem is i don't have room for it and i'm like i'm gonna have to put it in the garage but i can't fit anything else in my little office in here (laughs) I have all my trees all along the side of my house. I mean, my house is kind of long, but I have my whole backyard. And then the the other, this whole side, which is even bigger. um, So I'm like, I got a lot of room to expand. I keep telling my wife, I'm like, it's coming. I'm just letting you know it's coming. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And she's still supportive of that growth? Yeah, 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 she is. And, and, uh, you know, I wish she, she was into it, but she really, she just doesn't, you know. Some people are, some people aren't. Um, a lot of my bonsai friends are from the club um, the same way. They're like, oh, yeah, they're, they're supportive, but they're just not into it. My, my, my wife says the same thing. Well, you just go do your thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the support because they just can't, they, yeah. If you get the bug like we do, they, no one can even relate. I mean, it's just different. Yeah. Yeah. Before we move on to winter, because I think winter will be short and sweet of a subject, I wanted to back up because I didn't ask about this in the summer, which I don't know if that's the worst time of the year or not, but what kind of pests do you deal with with PAs or what pests, if any, like PAs? There are a couple and there's one of them that I just identified because I've been I've been battling this insect for a long time. And it's taken me a while to figure out what it's actually called because it looks like an earwig and it's called a web spinner. And I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I have not heard of a web spinner. No. So web spinners are, they look like, you know, an earwig, right? What they look like. They can get like maybe an inch long. They're skinny. They're black. They have the little, and um, I mean, you know, I see those around, but I've noticed for a, uh, years now, there would be some little webbing in small little areas of webbing on the trunks. And then I look and it looks like they're eating in the trunk. And this, 
particularly the cork bark um, trees, the trees that have the, you know, the really gnarly trunks. And I'm like, what the heck is eating the, the trunks? And I couldn't figure it out. And I'd get my little scissors and I'd kind of poke around and I would see these little earwig looking things uh-huh. and they would crawl, they would move forward, move backwards. And what the heck is this? And I'm like, why would earwig, and I'm Googling it, like do earwigs eat, you know, dead, you know, chunks of plants. And they're like, no, that's not an no. earwig. So um, finally I got a hold of a, a bug guy and I sent him pictures of it because I took pictures of it. He identified it and yeah, it's a web spinner. So web spinners look like earwigs. Okay. They have their, they have these front little, um, you know, paws or whatever they are, <laughs> little yeah. hands. You know, and they're kind of round. And what they do is they produce like a silk with those little, those little hands. Okay. And they create a webbing and little tunnels and they live inside and they do nest in the wood and they eat the wood and kind of burrow themselves in there. So that is, you know, there are pests that eat the leaves uh, or that uh, like mealybugs and aphids. But these things are attacking the trunks. And so I've been trying to find out what they are. Now I finally identified them. Mealybugs are, I mean, I battle mealybugs all the time. But the good thing is, if you trim a lot, you don't really have to worry about mealybugs because the mealybugs like the new growth at the tips. So I'm always trimming the new, you know, the new growth off. I keep them under control. Aphids like the new growth. Yeah. Um, I will anytime the springtime is kind of when they come out um, and really start attacking everything, you know, I'll pick up a tree and I'll spray them with water. Um, and if that doesn't work, then I'll use insecticidal soap. Some people will say, oh, you can use rubbing alcohol on a Q-tip. Alcohol, especially if you spray a tree with alcohol, you're going to damage the leaves. Yeah, yeah. So insecticidal soap doesn't damage the leaves. Yeah, I've, I've been pretty comfortable using the insecticidal soap myself. That's all I've pretty much done. I'm trying to stay as chemical-free as possible, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mealybugs, aphids, um, web spinners. And yeah. um, this year I did battle a lot of caterpillars. I mean, I'll find them, um, yeah. especially my real small trees that have the small leaves and they just kind of yeah. munch at those. And I'll literally like follow them. Like I'll follow their trail. I could see their poop on the leaves and then i'm like okay it's on this tree it moved over here (laughs) and i pick them up and i'll just i'll transport them to the other side of the house it is time for the winter solstice the slowest season for us most of us anyway and that also holds true for gilbert down in texas let's check it out shortest time of year the least amount of light especially up here in minnesota um you're probably doing not a whole lot of anything with your trees. So what is the winter solstice like for you, for PAs? Um, my whole thing is I just want to, I just monitor the, I leave them alone and I just yeah. monitor the weather to make sure that it doesn't get down to freezing. And then of course, if it's like, oh, it's going to have a, we're going to have a light freeze or then I will call my kids and I'm like, all right, guys, let's get the blankets and yeah. put them on the ground and cover them put rocks in front and um, take my big ones in. And um, so I don't really do wintertime. I don't really do much because they are outside. And, and like I said, as long as it's above freezing, uh, they're fine. Slow season. Although I mentioned earlier, you know, I grow them year round because I can put them inside my house and get the grow lights and they do 
I mean, they kind of chill for about a month or so. And then I, you know, crank things up a little bit and they start to grow. So yeah, um, yeah it sounds like you have a nice little, uh, a little respite, a little uh, break from all the intensity of your bones I hear in the winter months, it sounds like. Yeah, it, it is. And it's kind of nice because, I mean, I do have a lot of other hobbies and I mean, I'm an artist. And so that's kind of yeah. like wintertime is when I start painting or sure drawing or doing something uh inside and um but yeah so it's kind of yeah it's it's definitely my my break time (laughs) yeah for sure after you uh decorate your trees uh halloween-ish then you kind of take a break for the rest of the world yeah (laughs) i love yeah love some of your images of your uh your trees with those characters in them that's awesome (laughs) yeah yeah i know i like i like doing a lot of toy photography and um i love star wars and so yeah, yeah, it's kind of, I always try to do something with them. <laughs> and finally, the spring equinox. Gilbert talks about how the PA can take a while to get past that tendency to have a little bit longer, leggier growth for us for having it indoors for so long and for him having it in the shade in his backyard during the winter months. This part of the conversation also talked about defoliation of your PAs and what works best for him with watering them. Um, let's move to spring then. So uh, the spring uh, uh, equinox is, uh, of course, for most people in the bonsai world, uh, across the world, I think. And you know, you're kind of saying the same thing as well with the PAs. When spring is around, no matter where you are, that means it's rebirth, newborn stuff ready to just take off and the flushes of growth are ready to go. So what is spring like for you with PAs in your neck of the woods? Yeah, I usually, you know, once it starts to kind of warm up, um, wintertime, they're on the ground, they're, you know, they're, they don't, they aren't getting much light, but they're not, you know, I'm not trimming them. No. So whenever I'm like, okay, I think my weather guy will say, yeah, I think our last freeze is behind us. And okay. So I'll bring everything out on, you know, on my benches on the side and, Um, of course, everything just looks like a mess because, (laughs) you know, there's some weeds that have grown into the plants. And, uh, I, I usually do kind of just a quick trim. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing any fine detail trimming because whenever I do trim, I mean, I, you know, I'm pretty, um, detailed meticulous when it comes to my trimming, um, on where I trim on the branch, on on the leaf, you know, above the leaves and everything. And, Right. So springtime, I'm just just going. I'm Edward Scissorhands. I'm just trying yeah. <laughs> to get the main shape down, and um, and and then from there, then they just then that's when I start fertilizing, and mm-hmm. and then everything just kind of starts budding. But that is the time usually when I, if I'm going to defoliate and do a hard styling on a tree, then that's when I defoliate. You know? Okay. Yeah. And. Well, can, do you defoliate more times a year? Or is that really when you try to defoliate is right there in spring to let that new flush grow? Yeah, I, I think the springtime is is the best time because, you know, you have the whole rest of the year to develop to, to develop all the leaves. And, right. you know, anything dramatic you're doing, any hard wiring, styling, defoliation, root pruning, I mean, it stresses the tree, you know, and so it anytime you do defoliate a tree, yeah, you're getting new growth everywhere. But the downside is the new growth that comes out is 
a lot thinner. It's not as, you know, plump and it, the leaves are real thin. So yeah, it takes yeah. a while for them to kind of gain strength and get that momentum going. So yeah, the, the springtime is definitely a time for defoliation. So tell everybody then, um, when you do defoliate, now you mentioned not watering before you wire for two weeks. When you defoliate a PA, tell everybody how they have to take care of that tree then. So I will only defoliate a tree if it's really healthy and it's established in its pot. Um, yeah. I will not take a tree out of the pot, repot it, and defoliate wire. I mean, you're stressing the hell out of the tree. Yeah, major, um, major, major operations times three. You're not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm going to defoliate, it's going to be a tree that's been in the pot, it's established in the pot, and it's healthy. Okay, yep. then um, then I'm going to go ahead and just, I'm not going to mess with the roots. I'm just going to mess with the top. And um, I will, if you, I don't defoliate every tree. There, I mean, there's reasons why you defoliate. Um, if I'm going to defoliate a tree, it's because I want to style a tree and it's kind of hard to wire a tree that has all these leaves. And so I will defoliate everything and it kind of helps you see the branch structure, the For whole sure. structure of the tree. Um, so you can defoliate by just plucking the leaves off with your fingers or yep. using scissors and yep. or a combination of both. I'll defoliate everything. And then that's kind of when I do my wiring, kind of get detailed with it. And then, um, and then immediately after I defoliate, I fertilize because you removed everything, but you want, you want that, you want to guarantee that all the, all the branches, everything is going to pop. So I sure. defoliate, I wire, I, I fertilize very heavy. And then that ensures all the growth is coming out of the, out of all the branches because with, the, with, the, um, with the portlicaria, you will, uh, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it too, where you get these branches that kind of have these nubs, right? Where it's a branch and there's no growth on it and you're yep. just, it's alive. Yeah. Um, that's because there wasn't enough energy going up into that branch when it was cut. What's the water regimen that I, I've always, you know, you, you have to, when you don't have a lot of foliage with a PA, do you run the risk of root rot if you have no leaves to support that water? Well, I mean, a lot of it has to do, I, I mean, I, I mean, like, like I said, if it's established in a, in a, in its pot and it's yep. draining quickly and, you know, every, the roots and everything look, I mean, you know, the soil looks good, then, um, no, there's nothing wrong with, and it's, and it's, like I said, it's healthy and it's already mm -hmm. actively growing then. No, I mean, I water as long as it's, it's actively growing. And it's yeah. hot here. I mean, I'm I'm watering every day. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, there are some I actually um, like. If we're going to go out of town, mm -hmm. some of my smaller little mame size and shohin size trees, mm -hmm. um, I will leave them in a sitting in a tray of water while we're going. Oh, yeah, I'll really? fill it up. So they're they're you know it's up into the um, and a lot of times if I have a tree that you're watering, you feel like it's just not. It needs like it needs a boost. Yeah, I'll fertilize it and then I'll sit it in water, submerge it for, you know, like a day. And, really? Yeah, I, and then I would it have just, never. I don't think I've ever heard that with a PA or would have even thought of that. Oh yeah, yeah, no, all the time. I mean, I do that, and and I don't. I never have any issues. Um, the only time I've ever really had an issue with root rot and a tree was my logo tree that you're talking about because yeah. 
I had that tree in that pot um, for I think like six or maybe seven years. Oh and I kept saying, I'm going to repot it. I'm going to repot it. And um, I never did. And it was completely root bound. I mean, there was like no soil in there. I was fertilizing all my trees. I'm like, I noticed that the growth looked kind of scraggly. And I'm like, I think I'm just yeah. going to fertilize heavy. Yeah. And I did. And it shocked the tree. And, yeah. and But you were able to salvage those top three sections, right? And keep growing new trees. Yeah, I, I cut and I was, and you can cut, like if a tree is developing root rot, it's going to come up from the bottom. So you, you can kind of cut and see where, you know, okay, it, you could, I mean, because with root rot, I mean, once it starts coming up into the branches, you know, they turn brown. They're you cut them, and you can see it's kind of mushy. You know, yeah. So I keep going up till it's green, and then I then I cut them from there. So you mentioned cork bark a while back, and I wanted to ask you about Frank Yee. Uh, do you have any Frank Yee uh, cuttings or uh, heritage from him, or have you studied Frank at all? What are your thoughts yeah. on uh, the cork barks? Yeah, I have. Um, you know, one of my 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 first one that I bought, my the Godfather, I bought it because it was a cork bark. The trunk was really gnarly. Yeah. Um, but climate, um, fertilizer, um, sunlight and watering all plays into effect on how corky your trunk will get. So Frank, um, waters i hear he waters like once a week and there his trees are in full sun now it's a certain part of california and california does have a lot of different climates sure. um where he's at the the cork just thrives and it grows because he lets them dry out like i said watering once a week Completely the one that i what you're doing yeah so the one that i have it was very corky and because I brought it here, I watered daily, fertilized. Over time, it's gotten pretty smooth. Really? Um, yeah. So that's why I don't pay too much attention to. Okay, is that a cork bark? You know, because you see a lot of. I've seen a lot of cork bark trees that people have, and it's like, man, the trunk is real corky. But I'm like. To me, it's all about the styling, right? How does the tree, how is it styled and, yeah, you know, yeah. to kind of to enhance the cork or whatever. But, For sure. you know, so it's just, again, that's my personal take on it. But um, I do have trees that I keep that I that are, are more cork bark yeah. that I keep a little in a certain area that gets more sun. And I've done experiments where I've put them in a higher shelf where they're getting like full sun. I'm watering once a week on them. Okay. Sure enough, they start getting more corky. The cork starts wow. kind of coming out. So, so it's like the stress of that dryness and it's going through a little bit more tension in its life and it's showing up with a corkier bark. <laughs> yeah. So where if when you're watering, the water's flowing a lot further, quicker into the trunk, into the branches, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's more smooth. Pops it up and smooths it all out or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We finish our conversation talking a bit about the PA master, Frank Yee. Cork bark PAs are part of the conversation and how we care for variegated PAs. Gilbert then finishes up our conversation with talk about being involved in clubs. And of course, I ask about his tips for those beginners to bonsai. I should show you one, should I show you one of my trees? Yeah. On one of my recent videos for my channel, I, uh, I worked on my, uh, my variegated. Oh yeah. 
So I have a variegated PA, and I think this is also a descendant of a friend of mine who has gotten trees from uh, Frank Yee. Um, but um, it's a variegated, yeah, it's just this year after like uh, halfway through the summer, the PA is really weird in Minnesota. When we bring them outside, they have an adjustment period. And then all of a sudden, late in the summer, man, boy, they just, then they go nuts. And of course, in, in, in August in Minnesota, we get a lot of humidity, just like you're getting like a lot of your summer, right? And so this thing just took off and it's just been really funky. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's variegated. I've always heard variegated trees are a little bit more finicky and they grow different. And, uh, but I just, I love the variegation on some species. And this is one of my, my fun little uh, variegated PAs. Yeah, no, that's, that's nice. It looks evenly variegated. Um, and I say that because, um, while we're talking about variegated, um, yeah. And I like the, I like the shape of it and, Kind of where where it's going, and yeah, yeah, it's in development, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everything always is. One of the th over the years that I've been kind of working on these, um, you know, I've always, you know, if I've seen seen one at Walmart or wherever, and I'll buy one. Um, I treat all my trees the same. I end up fertilizing the same, watering the same. I know I noticed one year I was just kind of in and out. I was just like a robot, just water fertilize, you know, yeah. trim, trim. I wasn't really paying attention to a lot of them. And I'm like, where the hell did those fertilized trees go? Like, I, I, I don't know where they, like, I'm looking through all my trees. I'm like, where's the fertilizer? Where's the, the, um, the variegated ones that I, that I, you know, and I'm saying fertilized because all I did was fertilize. Right. Well, did they lose their variegation? They did. And so you can, if you fertilize, fertilize a lot of a variegated, I did an experiment the other, the, uh, this summer too, um, where if you fertilize and take one and just add a lot of Osmocote, add a lot of liquid yeah. miracle Grow, fertilize it, it's going to start going, start turning solid green. Some people talk about, they say, oh, it's because every variegated has um um the solid genet gene in it so it's called a sport right so yep. the sport which is sport. the solid green one comes out wants to cut that off that's not to me I, I feel like that's not true because i bought one that was completely variegated took pictures of it i fertilized it fertilized it and it wasn't like oh a, a solid green popped out everything slowly started turning green um, <laughs> and it completely turned all green. And so then I thought, okay, I'm going to, I removed the, turn it upside down, removed all the, the Osmocote. I set it aside. I didn't water it. Uh, I mean, I didn't fertilize it, right? but I watered it. Sure enough, it starts getting lighter and lighter and lighter again. So you can, there's one variegated that I have. I only have one because it's the one I treat differently yeah. that I will not, I won't fertilize and I just, I just water it. Yeah. And that's a great segue to wrap up our discussion here. So someone's new to bonsai, one, you're a part of a club. So I want your thoughts on being a part of a club again. And then just, yeah, what are your two or three things of advice for, for new people into bonsai and why PA would be a good choice for them? So first let's, uh, clubs you know you, you seem like you're pretty a club's been a club has been good for you yeah you can only learn so much through youtube videos and you know reading books i mean i bought books and you know a lot of books in the beginning um yeah. 
but uh, the good thing about clubs is you have workshops and, you know, you have guest speakers that come in and uh, I learned a lot with workshops because I would wire a tree and, and I would design a lot of my beginning trees. I mean, they were real 2d, you know, because that's what I'm yeah. looking at a photo, you know, and You're right. Like, <laughs> the back? There's no back branches. This thing is just flat, you know. It's just branches going out the side. I'm like, that's right, that's right. So they showed me a lot of, you know, the proper way to wire, um, yeah. you know, just a lot of things that 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 you can only learn kind of in person, you know. And um, I talk about my friend David Whitaker because, you know, when I first joined, I mean, I had my little juniper and. And uh, he's like, oh, so you're, you know, you're new. And I said, yeah, I don't really, I just have one, one juniper. And he's like, oh, come by my house. He's, I'll give you a treat. He says, I want to, you know, kind of help you out. So that's kind of been my thing too, because people that come and find me yeah. and they're interested, they I just want to come by and see my trees. I'm like, I'll give them a tree, you know, give something, yeah. them something to start with. It's just, it's just amazing because there's just, they're, the people are, we're all focused on our plants and it's like, man, you look around and everybody has the same drive you do for plants, for, for bonsai. And join a club, get into a workshop and have more than one tree. What are some other things? What are some other words of wisdom from uh, the little Jade bonsai guy? Well, I, I, it's like you said, uh, I always like to say too, that, that you can't have, you can't just have one tree, you know, um, because you can almost kill it with too much care. You know, I see, you know, and, and you know, I did that at the beginning. I had sure. a few trees, I would pot it and then I would buy another pot and I'm like, okay, I want this tree in that pot. So I would dig it up, you know? Yeah. And, and now I'm always with Porlicaria Afra. They grow so quickly. They root so easily. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, now, I mean, I have, I don't even know how many trees I have now. I mean, it uh, maybe <laughs> 500 somewhere in there. For me now, there's always something to trim. It's always something to work on. Absolutely. If I'm, if I'm stressed, I go out to my trees and and I'm always trimming because they're they grow quickly, you know. So, you know, the Portlacari Afra is if you have the the capacity to it, you know, you do have an outside patio or you have a house and yeah, I recommend, I highly recommend that species because like I said, it roots easily, it grows quickly. And yeah, I, I love that. I love how you, you know, if you if you can get a tree and you make some early cuts on it and style it, put those cutting in, into some more soil and, and you're going to have a lot of trees to work on and they grow so fast. And so I, I, I completely agree. I think it's a fantastic variety and, you know, we don't all have to have the, uh, you know, uh, California or Utah junipers. We don't all have to have the Japanese black pines or the trident maples. Uh, I think the PAs, I don't know, they, they're in their, a little world of their own, but I think they're quite worthy of, of the bonsai attention. Yeah. And, and one last thing, when it comes to bonsai, you know, do, do what makes you, I always say, do what makes you happy. You know, if you have a tree and you're asking for advice and they say, cut this branch, um you need to cut this branch and if you don't want to cut it you know you don't have to cut it you know it's your tree and it's all it's what makes you happy you know and so I always say just grow you know grow your trees you know there are rules and things if you want to follow every follow the rules for styling and all that but you know do what makes you happy you know 
I couldn't agree with you more. I, you know, they have, they've always said uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder and, and there's so much, uh, you know, subjectivity to this craft and you're going to get one tree and bring it to uh, this professional, that professional, you and me, and we're going to see it four different ways. And so in the end, you're going to live with your tree. You're going to be loving that tree. So, you know, in the end, do what you feel is going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Which you're going to like. I, I couldn't agree more with you. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I so appreciate your time. And 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 uh, when I do travel, I, I I look to do more traveling. And I whenever I travel now, I really want to see what bonsai enthusiasts can I go bug for a while. Um, so if I'm ever in uh, your neck of the woods, I'll see if you're available. I'd love to come see your trees in person. But you know, absolutely. And if, and if anybody ever is, I'm always like I said, I love I love talking trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just me too that's why i spent so much time doing it i just love it absolutely yeah. well fantastic thank you so much uh of course your uh little jade bonsai youtube channel you haven't had a new video for quite a while but always looking forward to your videos and i see some of your reels pop up on uh other formats of course here and there so keep yeah. up the great work and uh yeah i aspire to take some tree pictures just like you one day and uh i i you're you're definitely uh a photographer mentor for me. I, I, I like your stuff a lot. <laughs> well, man, I appreciate it. And thanks for having me. And I'm glad we finally were able to connect. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Take care. Have a good holiday season. And uh, may your uh, PAs treat you well. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. You too. <laughs> All right. Good night. Take care, man. Appreciate All it. Right. Thank you. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. My many thanks to Gilbert Cantu of Little Jade Bones. I check him out on YouTube. We live in completely different climates. However, we both can have an incredible amount of success growing PAs in our own microclimates, be it hot or cold. I love mine, and it often gives me that little bit of bonsai fix I need in the middle of winter. That will do it for another edition of Up North Bonsai. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you picked up a couple of bits of information that will help you with your PA growth if you decide to check out that species. And we'll talk again very soon. When I head up north, well, maybe or down south to talk bonsai. <music>